Okay, well, good morning. Uh, good morning, Lord's Love Church. I hope uh, you are doing well, no matter where it is you're watching from uh, this morning, whether you're in Vancouver or maybe you're elsewhere uh, at this moment. Uh, welcome. Thanks for joining in to our Sunday service. I'm glad we can worship together. And today we're, we're starting a new sermon series uh, called Miracles uh, When God Makes a Way. Uh, we're going to highlight certain miracles in scripture. I try to look up, if you Google top 10 miracles, of the Bible, uh, maybe something, some interesting articles show up. But I'm going to highlight and choose uh, eight uh, miracles uh, recorded in Scripture and apply it to our time today in terms of how God is, is speaking to us. Because that word miracle right now, in light of what's happening in the world, definitely is being thrown around that we're saying we need a miracle uh, right now in light of the pandemic, in light of what's going on. We need a miracle to push through, to get a vaccine in time. We need a miracle uh, for uh, people to be healed and our hospital systems and our frontline workers to be protected. Uh, we need a miracle uh, in order for us as a civilization, as all humanity, uh, to, to move forward. And I just want to say that perhaps at this moment, in history, as we're all tied in together, that this is a great opportunity for us in our moments of uncertainty and our moments of doubt right now, that God is going to use these moments as we look back to be our greatest moments of growth, to be our greatest moments of, of, of spiritual fervor uh, as we go forward uh, in history, and how God's going to use this circumstance and all the terrible events that are happening in the world right now, and especially when you think about our uh, people on the East Coast uh, in Nova Scotia, uh, what happened there. Uh, and, and we think about all the pain and evil and suffering in the world, that how God is going to turn these circumstances and use it for his greatest good and use it for the good for uh, his people, that during this trying time, during these trying circumstances, when so many of us may lose faith, that God is going to use it to grow us. Uh, to to make us better uh, because our the God that we follow is trustworthy. He is who he says he is. And we're going to see that time and time again uh, through these miracles because when God makes the way, he shows up when the people of God uh, are up against their backs. Uh, today in Exodus, against the water, against the army. But in these miracles that we see in scripture, God meets them at their most hopeless time. When they didn't expect God to show up, when they didn't expect God to do anything, God does the miraculous. God does the wondrous. God shows the signs and wonders of, of who he is. That when there is no way that God makes a way, uh, in the old hymn, the old song, when there is no way, God does make a way. And he shows us uh, how he uh, does it. And something to prime us a little bit today as we go on that we often think that God can only perform miracles in one way that when you think of your situation and maybe you're in need of a miracle right now that you think of God performing a miracle in one certain way and that's the path that you are asking him to perform a miracle in but the God that we follow doesn't fit in a box uh, he's greater than what we could imagine he doesn't only work in one way he does all things he's in all things he's above all things and God, as we learn today, as we see today, He doesn't need much to turn a situation around. He doesn't need all the fanciness. He doesn't need any uh, high-tech uh, uh, fireworks. <laughs> uh, but God can do things and change a situation around uh, simply by who He is, uh, just with the Word, uh, with, uh, with with His own power. Uh, a couple questions before we get into the series on miracles in the Exodus passage. We need to ask ourselves some questions here, like. Like uh, the four questions I believe I had to ask myself as in preparation for this series is what is a miracle anyways? Uh, 
Uh, how, what is the definition of a miracle? Uh, what, why does God do miracles in the Bible? Uh, when do miracles happen in scripture and do miracles happen today? And I'm not going to, there, there have been huge books uh, written on this. I recommend C.S. Lewis's book called Miracles. Uh, it's not exactly a light read, uh, so, but I challenge you to read it. Uh, you can get through it. Uh, he's a brilliant man. He has a lot to say. I'm going to have a quote from him a little bit later. Uh, but what, what is a miracle? And my own definition of a miracle and from gathering from what I've read is a miracle is an event uh, not explained by natural causes. That you see an event that normally given nature that it shouldn't happen. For example, today we see that the sea it shouldn't split like that normally. Uh, though uh, there have been scientists and there's some articles written on it that actually has happened uh, through natural phenomenon as well. And God can act uh, through that, that a miracle is an event not explained by natural causes, but require a supernatural one uh, that normally there's one course and there's a supernatural force that's come in, that's acted upon a situation, an event and changed it all around. Now I'm going to quote from Wayne Grudem and go to the next slide there. Uh, a man much smarter than me in his book, uh, his hefty book, A Systematic Theology, it says this, a miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's all and wonder and bears witness to himself. So he defines, uh, Wayne Grudem defines a miracle as a less common kind of God's activity. And that would feed into my answer to does God um, uh, perform miracles today? That is a less common kind of God's activity that he uses it to arouse our awe and wonder and bears witness uh, to himself. Uh, when you're reading C.S. Lewis's book, he has an interesting illustration of what a miracle uh, is because he actually explains miracle, uh, all miracles actually as natural because the God that we follow is in nature and he's above nature, controls all things. So a miracle isn't actually unnatural, but it's according to the processes of God. I imagine if I gave uh, Cohen two pennies uh, to put underneath his, uh, put into his piggy bank on Monday night. And then I put another two pennies into his, his piggy bank on Tuesday night. Well, on Wednesday morning, how many pennies do you expect? The law of arithmetic, arithmetic of math, uh, math it says that there should be four pennies. Well, what if I snuck into his uh, piggy bank uh, the night before and I stole two pennies and he wakes up on Wednesday morning, be like, oh, there's only two pennies left. Like, what, what does this mean? Like, what happened to my two pennies? And in a way, that's how uh, C.S. Lewis explains a miracle uh, and, and how he helps the scientists to explain what a miracle is as well. He says this, miracle is, from the point of view of a scientist, a form of doctoring, tempering, if you like cheating, and it introduces a new factor into the situation, namely supernatural force, which the scientist had not reckon, yet reckoned on reckoned on so meaning cohen didn't expect me to go and steal his two pennies i would never do that as a good father but i'm just saying that you know he didn't expect another force outside of situation to come and change it up and he continues on in this quote uh, c.s lewis he says this so when you see a miracle it does not actually violate laws proviso if a then b it says but this time instead of a it's a2 that God came in and changed the circumstances. And nature, speaking through all her laws, replies, then B2, because it started with A2, and naturalizes the immigrant as she well knows how. A miracle is empathetically not an event without cause or without results. Its cause is the activity of God. Its results follow according to natural law. And I find that fascinating. I'm not sure about you. That's a lot of words right there. But 
our understanding of a miracle is God supernaturally imposing and acting into the world in ways that we never, never, uh, we don't often see ourselves. So why does God do miracles? Simply speaking, it's a sign. It's a way of point. All miracles are signs that point to who God is. It points people to God. Uh, it points to people that God is, is real. And that, allows us to understand, well, when do, when do miracles happen in scripture? Uh, we've noticed it in four times where it's really hefty. A lot of miracles are happening. We see it in Exodus. We see it when the law is given, when God is doing a supernatural work and, and bringing his people back towards him and pointing people back towards God. We see miracles happen uh, in, in the law, when the law is given. We see it again when the prophets come, when people have fallen away uh, from uh, from who God has called them to be. And miracles are happening time and time again. It's a sign to point people back to God. We see it in Jesus' time. That when he came, what was he doing? He was coming in to bring the lost and to, to heal the broken. Uh, that he was coming in and he, there was a, a whole bunch of miracles when Jesus came into the picture uh, in the New Testament there. And then we saw a whole bunch of miracles too as signs pointing to God when the church was born uh, in Acts. So we see four point parts in church's history where miracles came time and were really heavy in, in history. Now, why do I mention all this? Like, why is any of this important? Because we need to understand as you're thinking about now, practically speaking for yourself and the miracle that you're asking for, you're hoping for, do miracles still happen today? Well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Does do do miracles happen in the way that it did in those four periods? Uh, Historically, I would say no, but do miracles happen today? Yes, because God can still move in the way that he did in the Red Sea in the raising of the dead and the healing of the sick. And we hear these stories amongst the church body, but we see here that God has given us uh, the power of the spirit uh, in our day and age. Now that the power of God is rest in each and every single uh, one uh, of us. And that's the answer for us. Do miracles do happen today? That yes, they do. God is acting in wondrous ways. God is acting through his people. And in fact, the miracle that, that uh, we're left with in the New Testament as God's people is the miracle of, of love, of loving people when they're least lovable, extending the love of Christ to the ends of the, the world. What does Jesus say that you would know that they're my disciples by what? Uh, when they love one another. That that is how God calls us to live now. That is the miracle that we are dispensing into the world. Now, I'll bring it back to the question for you is, what is the miracle that you are looking for? What is the miracle that you're hoping for? What is your miracle, if I ask you that right now, that you're hoping for, that you're praying for, for God uh, to perform or God to do in your life? It might have to do with the pandemic. It might be something a little bit, uh, more personal uh, for you that uh, that the pandemic hasn't affected you in, but something personal in your life that you're you're praying for and hoping for. And the next question I, I follow up with that is this: that has what you've been doing in order to uh, look for that miracle has it actually happened? You know, are you any further along in terms of seeing the miracle in place? And today in, in Exodus uh, 14 here, uh, 10 to 22, we see the Red Sea scene. Uh, movies have been made about this. Uh, the scripture, uh, if you 
come to church before and for any length of time, you would have heard it preached on before. It's the 12th miracle recorded in, in Exodus. And, and we see here the sea splitting and the, and, uh, and the people of Israel walking through uh, the sea on, on dry ground. But what is the miracle here exactly? Have you ever thought about that? In this Red Sea scene in, in Exodus 14, what exactly is the miracle that's performed? Is it the splitting of the sea? Is it people, uh, the Israelites walking on dry ground? Uh, well, you see, the problem was like, you know, it wasn't the water that was the problem for them. Like the, pro- the water wasn't the issue for them. It was what? It was the army. I actually would argue that the miracle uh, that God performs here uh, in Exodus 14 is that God defeated the army of Egypt without needing an army. That God defeated the army without needing an army. Do you see that? As we, as Simon beautifully read for us there, that when you see in this, in this scripture here, that the, the miracle that was performed by God was that God defeated the Egyptian army without an army, that the standard way back then to win a battle was to raise up an army, to raise up arms, to fight and, and, to, and, and to train up your people. The people at the army with superior weapons will win with more people will win, but that's not what God does here. That God fought this battle with unconventional ways in a way that we never thought it, uh, he would in a way that we never would have imagined. And maybe back then, if you were in that situation, you would have prayed for, Hey God, send us more swords, right? Send us some shields. Like, 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 like Egypt is coming at us right now with their chariots and their horses and their, their thousands of men, but give us the same thing. But God doesn't do that. And a big idea for us this morning is this, the way God makes a way may not be the way you would. <laughs> Bit of a mouthful, a sentence there. I gotta read it again. The way God makes a way may not be the way you would. And as you think about your miracles, you think about what you're hoping to see in the world. Maybe, just maybe, God's going to perform a miracle in the way that's according to him, in the way that he would do it, not in the way that you think it should be done, not in the way that you are hoping for, that God's going to provide for your needs and provide for you in the way that he knows is best for you, and maybe in even greater ways than you would think. And right now at this moment, maybe you're thinking today that, you know, God will deliver a certain, you from a certain struggle, from a challenge uh, that you're facing. Uh, and it just reminds us that God maybe would just work at a different way for you this morning, uh, starting this week, for us to think about and to trust him in, in, in a different way. Uh, how is God at this time going to be using your pain? How is he going to be using your struggle? How is he going to break through and act? How is he going to bring on a miracle in the way that you would never have expected? Because you look back in this passage here, you see that the Israelites, they were surrounded by their miracle. That the sea that that they thought was a barrier to them, that was the miracle that they were needing. And God was going to use what was going to scare them to save them. God was going to use what was going to scare them, what was once an obstacle, as a way to bring them towards him, to show his power, to, to allow them to see just how amazing uh, this God is. See, the thing is, they're going to forget this in three days or so. They're going to be out in the desert, and they're going to forget that what God did exactly. They're going to forget that this is the God that split the sea, and they're going to complain to him and said, that God bring us out here just so we can die. Uh, that's what they're going to say. They're going to forget this, and God is showing. He's like, hey, guys, like, the God that you follow, the God that you love, the God that you know, I'm above all things. I, I'm in all things. I, like, there's, you can't put me in a box. I don't need anything 
in order to be God. I don't need anything in order to perform the miracle that you are looking for. So the question for us and something for us to think about is like, well, what if the challenges you face are the ways that God's going to bring you closer to him? That during this time of wrestling, during this time of suffering, during this time when you're needing this miracle, that maybe God's going to use that to draw you closer to him. And today we're going to see a few ways, four ways exactly, of how God draws the people of Israel and how God performs a miracle that's different than what they would have expected. Remember I said, if I were them, I would pray for more swords and more armor and more horses. But instead, God calls them into four things. The first thing is to be still. A second is to raise your hands. Uh, the third is to have them understand just because you don't see me, it doesn't mean I'm not there. And the fourth thought and the fourth action is for them to actually walk forward through their miracle, uh, through and closer to God. And in Exodus 14, uh, 5 uh, to 9, uh, we, we, we read of a... Um, we read of how Pharaoh changes his mind. So he, after this is the 12th miracle I mentioned, and this is after the plagues uh, that, that, that uh, was over Egypt and Pharaoh, after all of this, doesn't learn his lesson that God is more powerful than he is. That Pharaoh is in God, that Yahweh is the true and the one and only God. Uh, he doesn't understand that. And he changes his mind. He changes his mind and says, you know what? I'm not going to let his people go anymore. I'm actually going to chase after them now. I'm going to chase after him with my army. And verse seven, we read of, we read of how uh, he sent 600 of his best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt and officers all with them. And in verse nine, it says it again, that he sends all the Pharaoh's horses and it highlights to us that all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops were sent out towards Israel. So it's painting a picture here that there's a vast army going towards the people of Israel, that they're doomed, that they're going to be lost, that they're going to be killed. And that's the, picture that we're being set up here and we need to pay attention in scripture when there's repetition that this is what the writer wants us to realize that there was no way out that there's a here's a big group of men and women unarmed just fleeing towards the desert with an army chasing after them and in exodus at 14 10 to 12 the beginning of our passage today we see how the army comes in starts coming in and israelites are like we're doomed this is it uh, that we're lost. Uh, it was better for us back in Egypt, even though we were slaves and we were beaten and we had, we didn't have uh, that much. They're saying it was better for us to be back in Egypt uh, than it is for us to be here. And that's just a note for us that when we go through pain and suffering, uh, we often forget about who God is and what he's leading us towards. Our memory becomes short and we think of how it was better uh, back when uh, we were with uh, the, the slave drivers. And when it goes uh, into verse 13 here, Exodus 14, 13 to 14. And it says this, as the people were, 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 were terrified, uh, what's going on? Uh, Moses answered the people in verse 13, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So we see here in the way that God first performs his miracle is to tell his people to stand still. Can you imagine there's an army chasing you and that's the instructions that God gives? And God's speaking to you in the moment of frant you're frantically trying to run away from what's trying going to kill you. And, and God's like, just stand still. And you're like, say what? Like, you know, like it's to come again. Like, are you serious? Like, is that what you're telling me to do? Like, how did God perform this miracle? What was his first step? Like by having his people stand firm and to be still. 
that's what he calls his people to do. Like if you're in a moment of struggle, if you're in a moment of pain, if you're going through and needing a miracle, maybe right now this moment, what you need to do is just to still yourself. Is this to still yourself and you recognize and to tell your soul that God is God, that he's in control, that he's the one that's above all things for us to stand firm and to be still. And so that we can see that we can see that salvation is going to come to us. And sometimes what you need, and I would say most times you don't need to do anything in order to witness a miracle. You don't need to conjure up God. You know, it's not like the, the late night television shows of buying those miracle water. I don't know anything about that. You don't conjure up anything in order for some miracle uh, to happen. No, like often God does, does miracles on his own because God is God. He's in control. He's the one that's performing the miracle. But when your face, when your back's against the wall, fear will tell you to go back. It's better to go back to Egypt and to go back to Pharaoh and just to bow down to them and say that everything is okay. Maybe you're impatient and your impatience will tell you, you got to do something about this right now. I'm not going to stand still, God. I got to pick it, pick it, you know, pick it up, like get on it and, and, and get busy. Maybe your mind is telling you to reason your way out of it, to find different ways around from this problem. And maybe your own strength will tell you if you were at the Red Sea, just to jump in at that moment. Like, see you later. I'm not staying still. I'm going to start swimming, right? I don't know. Like maybe that's what your own strength is going to do. And, and that hits so close to home because we resonate with that. Instead of being still, we want to do anything but be still and, and to trust in our own strength. And the natural response was for them to fight back. But God is telling them to be still because I am the one fighting for you. I'm the one that's going to perform this miracle. I'm the one that's on your side. You only need to be still and you will see deliverance. That's the promise. God never tells you to act without first telling you a promise. If God tells you, this is my promise to you. You can trust me. I am trustworthy. So be still and listen because I am God. And I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring the salvation and the miracle you're needing. The second thing he tells the people, um, Moses specifically, to do in, in order to see this miracle is found in Exodus 14, 15 to 18. The next passage there, he tells them to stretch out your hands. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? You know, don't you see the people coming? <laughs> Tell the Israelites to move on now. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. So we see here the instructions to Moses specifically is for him to stretch out his staff, uh, to raise the staff and to stretch out your hand. So there's a time to be still. And that's maybe where you're at. There's a time to be still and to know that he is God. But there's also a time to act. There's a time to pray, and there's also a time to move. There's a time to follow God in his next instructions. It tells Moses here to raise your staff and stretch out your hands over the sea. And this is such a profound and yet simple action of faith. You think about it, like you're, you're, you're being separated by this vast amount of water, and God tells you first to be still, and then second, just to raise your staff in your hands. You're like, what on earth is that going to do? Like, what is that going to do exactly in the obstacle that I am facing? And these are easy instructions, but these easy instructions lead to a, a, a massive miracle. These easy instructions of faith 
lead to a massive miracle. Don't doubt the easy instructions that you might think I might need to do the spiritual discipline. I might need to do this as my next step. It sounds so simple, but you don't know the massive miracle that it's going to lead to. You don't know what God is going to do in your simple act of faith. And I believe this, and we see this here, that the greatest miracles happen with simple actions. Again, you don't need to do any dancing around, conjuring up of God. It doesn't make him listen to us anymore. He's already here. He just wants you to lift up your hands. He wants you to stretch out the staff, lift up your hands as an act of surrender. And just to say, God, I need you. I need you to act. I don't know what this is going to do, but you are telling me to be faithful. You're telling me to follow you. And I'm just going to listen here. And as an act of surrender, I'm going to lift up my, my hands. I'm going to raise the staff that you've given me. And I'm going to see what only you can do. So the first step was for us to, we see here is to be still. And the second tells him to stretch his hands. And, and even though it might look foolish to follow in faith and to, uh, to, to, to raise up your hands and surrender uh, to this God that, that we follow. And verse 19 continues on. We see this just because you don't see doesn't mean God is gone. Verse 19, then the angel of God, after the, these steps, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of God also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. So here you've been following God, you're going out in Egypt and you're stuck at in front of the sea and in the water there and you don't know where to go and you're being still and you're raising your staff. And as you're listening to God's instructions, you see him disappear from in front of you. I don't know about you, but that, that, that's fascinating to me. That's strange. You would think that as you are following God and listening to him, that God will make himself even more present in front of you that he would be even more obvious uh, in front of you. But we see here as they were listening to instructions, as he, they were being faithful, that God withdrew from in front and surrounded them in the back. That just because you're being faithful and you don't see him doesn't mean you're not doing the right thing. It doesn't mean you're not following him. It doesn't mean just because you don't see him that God has, is gone altogether. You don't know how God is protecting you, surrounding you at this time. Could you imagine at that moment when they're saying, oh, God is gone. God's not there anymore. And in fact, God actually removed himself and then protect them from Egypt and from the, from the army. What would have happened to them there? See, just because you don't see God at this moment doesn't mean God is not acting. It doesn't mean God is not active. And I know that goes against our time and age right now, because even in this pandemic, uh, even though the scientists and our doctors are telling us that you could be asymptomatic, people still don't believe it, Right. No, just because I don't see it, it doesn't mean I'm carrying the disease. Just because I don't see anything happening doesn't mean means that uh, doesn't. I, I, just because I don't see it, I, the the disease and the symptoms, it means that it's not there. Well, no, that that's, that's not true. If I relate that to God, just because you don't see Him acting or see Him right in front of you, doesn't mean He's not protecting you. Doesn't mean He's not surrounding you. Doesn't mean He's not with you, in your struggle. And this is fascinating to me that that as they were walking, that they were going through tonight. And some of you might be feeling like you're going through nighttime right now. That you're going through a time of night, a time of sorrow, a time of suffering, a time of trying, and you're needing a miracle. That you're going through the night and you're walking. But 
be reminded and encouraged this morning that God is with you, even though you don't see him right in front, that he is surrounding you, that he is protecting you. And it's fascinating to me that this same cloud that brought darkness to one side is also brought light to the other side. And also just reminds me of, well, which side are we on this morning? You know, are, what, what are we seeing this morning? Are we seeing the light that God brings or are we seeing darkness right now? And maybe we need to realign ourselves and to see where God is leading us. The last thing we see here is God's instructions for them to walk forward. In verses 21 to 22, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the, the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Just imagine Moses at that moment, just how foolish he might have felt as he's lifting his hands, as he's raising his staff, and he's standing there at the edge of the sea, and he's saying, God, you better show up. You better show up because the army is coming, and I sure look like a fool right now. And some of you are there needing that miracle. Some of you are putting your faith in God and you're saying, God, I, I need you to show up. I need you to show up. And you see here in this miracle, it didn't happen right away. God was driving the wind all night long. Do you see that? It wasn't in the instance when they raised up their hand, boom, right then and there, a miracle happened. No, it was all night long. This wind was driving the waters back and then the waters were divided. And the Israelites then went through the sea. That was... The instructions for them. The way has been cleared, but are you going to walk through it? And some of us are standing at the edge saying, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to walk through this path, even though God has made a way. You see where God is leading you, but you're still hesitant at that moment. But instructions for you, maybe this morning into your miracle, is to walk through on that dry ground and to follow God. Because it's fascinating here that what they were afraid of, the water, what scared them is what ends up saving them. That is, they walk through the sea, and as the armies come, the waters come back down and swallow up the armies of Egypt and saves the people of Israel. That for us this morning, maybe you got to walk through that, that valley of fear into the unknown, into where God is calling you into, and that is how God is going to call you back towards him, how God is going to save you, how God is going to pull you closer towards him and saying, you're coming that much closer. And this is the place that you need to be. And the chapter ends. I don't have time to finish off reading the rest of the chapter, but the chapter ends by Pharaoh and the Egyptians knowing exactly who is fighting. They never say the Israelites are strong, but they say truly the Lord is fighting for them. That's a declaration. That's what the purpose of a miracle is that it points back towards God and how he makes the way and God gets all the honor and the glory. So this morning, maybe a little bit more application, a little bit more practical for you is like, what situation do you need to see in a different light? What have you been holding on to all these years? Maybe, maybe it's not this moment, but all these years, this miracle that you've been praying for, that you've been holding on to, which step along the way is God calling you to be this morning? And perhaps this whole time you've been waiting for a certain miracle, but, but God in reality is acting in other ways saying, this is actually what you need. This is how I'm going to perform this miracle for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. This is how I'm going to act. Not in the one way that you are asking for, but in the way that's even greater than you could imagine. You've been waiting for God to work one way, 
not realizing that he's already acted. That he's already acted in your life. He's already cleared away for you. Because God ultimately, he's proven himself. He's proven himself to be enough in all situations. That he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything to be God. He, at a snap of a finger, at his speaking of his voice, at a touch of his cloak, as we're going to study later with Jesus, the miracles can happen. That the way that God acts might not be the way that you would. The way that God makes a way may not be the way that you would. And we've got to understand that today. We've got to see that. I'm going to be a lookout for God. And you've been waiting for that person to apologize maybe, but you maybe haven't realized that God has given you the strength and made a way for you to forgive. You've been waiting just for that person to do this, but God has already given you the power to forgive. You've been holding on to past failures when God's already made a way and says that you are more than a conqueror. You are a prince. You are a, a son and a daughter of God. Maybe that's what you've been looking for. Maybe you've been, you've been angry at past hurts and, you, and it's eating you from the inside out. But God is saying, I've already made a way for you to let go. That is the miracle I performed for you already. Are you going to walk through it? Are you going to live in that? Or at this moment today, are you saying that I need this and I need that instead of noticing what God has already done in your life? So we can see here in miracles that God does and performs miracles in ways that you never would have imagined, in ways that you never thought. And maybe as we start this series, the miracle that you've been looking for, whatever it is, in the deepest, I'm going to be honest here before God, that God is already acting in different ways that you're already, uh, that you never would have imagined. And today you're saying, God, I need this miracle and I need to listen to you. And I'm thank you. I'm thankful that you have made a way. I'm thankful that you already have acted in my life. And maybe the miracle you've been waiting for isn't actually the miracle you need, but God's going to do even more than that. Just like what he did with the people of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for the goodness of your word as recorded in Exodus. That God, you made a way when there was, was, when there was no way. That God, you're the God that's above all things. That you don't need anything to perform the miracles in our lives. And God, we pray that over our body this morning our body of Christ this morning, our church this morning, that whatever miracle we're looking for, whatever it is that we need in our lives, God, you know it and you see it. So Father, give us the strength to love. Give us the strength for, to forgive. Give us the strength to reconcile. Give us the strength to walk through the walls of the sea, God, trusting, Lord, that you have made a way and that you are the God that we can trust and follow. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not abandoning us. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles that you're already performing in our life before we even see it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.